It's the big show. Jake Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's continue the college football conversation. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Joining us now, of course, Ute legend. Former Patriot as well, our friend Christian Cox. Christian, first and foremost, congratulations. I heard the new arrival is here. Well, thank you, Jake. Congratulations to you. You're like Colin Cowherd just running your show solo. So uh, glad to glad to be on here with you. Um, yes, had a baby yesterday, and it was, uh, it was pretty wild. If you want to hear a good story about it, I'll give it to you. Yes, yes, of course. So... Um, let me ask you a question, Jake. Have you ever caught a baby out of your out of your wife when she was giving birth before? <laughs> no, no, I have not. Well, apparently, after you have about four kids on your fifth, when you have a really good uh, OBG, Doctor Ryan Miller, apparently he listens to your show. Great All right. guy. All right. Um, he uh, he gave me the opportunity to uh, I don't what it was it go under center catch a, <laughs> catch a child. I'm not really sure what you call it. But um, I had the chance. I got to be a doctor yesterday. Legitimately, they put me in scrubs, and um, I was able to, you know, I guess help escort my child out of my wife and handed my child to my wife. And honestly, sounds horrible. Pretty special. probably Probably one of the coolest moments of my entire life, and I'm glad that they really pressured me into doing it, my wife and Dr. Miller, because it was probably my last child maybe not who knows but it was it was insane it was probably one of just can't make that stuff up so i went under center yesterday and my wife um it was our fifth kid we have seven we have uh my oldest is seven i got five on the age of seven but uh it was showed up for an induction uh wife had a smooth pregnancy had a baby by 10 45 and um you know credit to dr miller and to my wife it was a pretty special day Absolutely special is the word, man. That's great. Under center. Uh, I mean, that's that's pretty classic yeah. imagery right there. But yeah, absolutely. What a what a special moment. That's that's incredible, dude. Congrats. Yeah. Glad All I'm right. Here. Let's let's talk a little football. And by the way, you jumping on the show the day after is above and beyond. Uh, don't well, hey, don't get yourself hey, in trouble. Hey, Jake. Any, anything for you? Yeah. Anything for you? Well, dude, I got dude. clearance. My wife said okay. Oh, so. you're the best. All right, well, let's let's jump into this here, um, Christian. What I guess, what are you expecting out of Utah with a week off to be able to deal with what they've got going on as a team? Maybe regroup a little bit and figure out a way to, you know, push that energy onto the field I, I, in a positive way. I guess is is probably the goal of the coaches. But I mean, I honestly don't know what to expect from this team. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that, Jake. I, it's just, you know, going into the Coliseum, Utah hasn't played well at the Coliseum really ever uh, as, as you look at history. Um, and, you know, obviously coming off of uh, just a, a tragic last 10 days, um, you know, with the death of, of Aaron Lowe. And um, I, I, I think we talked about this last week. I just I don't know how you – I think you've had a little more time. Apparently there's a cliche, uh, time heals all wounds. And, you know, I, I, I hope that this allows the team to really just channel their energy into playing for something greater than themselves. That, that's 
sounds very lame, but that's how the great teams are are made, right? It's not necessarily skill. It's sometimes what what are you playing for? What's your higher purpose of playing? Um, you go back to the Tim Tebow days. He wasn't the most talented person, but he was very clear on his intention of what he wanted to accomplish and win. And you know, when you're playing for you know Aaron Lowe and also Ty Jordan, um, you know they're going to retire their numbers. I think it'll be a special special moment for them and I think going into the locker room um, you know before the game against USC and having never won I, I think there's a lot of reasons to be hyped up for a football game and, and to play with a lot of purpose and uh, I think it's a great opportunity for Utah to get on track on the year they've had a really a uh, I'd say more of a I wouldn't even say Jekyll and Hyde it's been a pretty poor year they're just fortunate to be you know two and two right so um, 1-0 in conference play and you know you, you've not played well on the road the last time you played USC on the road I think it was Matt Fink you yeah. knocked out Slovis yeah. early and uh, I think it was Pitt, Pittman who caught a bunch of touchdowns over the top and um, you know Tyler Huntley played well but I think Zach Mosk was kind of out of that game and you just kind of hope that Utah can come out and just play Utah football I think this year uh, what I've been disappointed with is just the lack of energy, the lack of enthusiasm to play the game, and that's not Utah style. You play with the chip, you play with uh, passion and, and respect for the people who've come before you. And you know, sometimes when you get a lot of talent in an organization, um, sometimes you lose that edge. And I think with the quarterback change, and hopefully the line can block a little better, and um, you kind of you know solidifying who's going to be the number one at, at running back. Um, I, I think Utah's. Listen, I, I think they got a much better chance to go on the road. And, and again, it, it, what's tough, I guess, it's not like a major victory because USC lost at home to Oregon State. And USC is super, super talented, but they haven't had a winning streak on the year. So they've won one, lost one all year. So it's, uh, it's going to be a fun game on Saturday night. You don't know who's going to show up on both ends. You know, we talked so much about this game before the year, Christian, on how important it was going to be. And and true, both these teams are not what we envisioned, or at least we thought we were going to be getting. But to your previous point, you know, they still have everything to play for. I mean, this is still a pivotal game in the conference because the conference has been so wacky and nobody wants to take the bull by the horns and really be the, you know, kind of the leader in the league, so to speak. And so maybe these teams aren't quite where we thought they'd be, but I think this game is still really important. Oh, it's huge, right? Not only, uh, obviously, USC lost to Oregon State, who's a North opponent, but this is massive for the, the South, right? Yeah. Like, you, you, this this game is really determined who's won the Pac-12 South every single year, right? And so um, UCLA's playing pretty well, um, but Utah's always beat SC, or most of the times, at home at Rice-Eccles. So, for them, it'd just be a major stamp on the season. I I think it'd be a major win against a, a formidable opponent. Like USC is no slouch. They still get all of the recruits. They still get all of the top talent. Uh, they just don't seem to put it together for a full season. They'll, they'll go nine and three, and you know maybe win a bowl game. And they're inconsistent um, because maybe they can't cheat anymore. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> The Pete Carroll days are over and the Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush days. But I don't know. What's interesting to me is as I look at this game, Keaton Slovis had one of his best games against Colorado on the road. He threw three touchdowns. He had a QB rating over 160. 
you know, it was one of his better games. Uh, Slovis has is, is actually gotten worse as his years went on, right? His 2020 year last year, he had the most interceptions he's ever had. Uh, so just like the SC, you know, being inconsistent this year, win one, loss one, uh, obviously lost to Stanford as well. Um, like, how how is Keaton Slovis going to play? If he plays like he does against Colorado, it's going to be a, a tough day for Utah. And if Utah's defense is stuck out on the field the whole game, it's going to be a rough go, uh, like it kind of was the first half against Washington State. But if, if Utah can disrupt and, and put pressure on Slovis and make him uncomfortable, he is prone to make mistakes. He's prone to throw interceptions. That's his, that's his greatest weakness. So with his greatest strength, he can deliver a ball on a dime. He can make good decisions. But he's been known to make bad throws and make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. That's why they lost against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. Uh, that's why BYU beat beat him at home, I think, two years ago. He threw an interception late in the game to seal it for BYU. So I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm actually really excited about the game. I just want to see the brand of football that we're all accustomed to and used to of the team playing, like Utah style. And I haven't seen it this year, really, in full transparency um, and that's what I miss. I want to see the team come out and play with a lot more energy and purpose and not just be flat and hope they turn it around in the second quarter. I just, I haven't seen that out of a, and again, for such a, 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 a laden team with leadership uh, to be so lackadaisical, I haven't seen that in a long time. And I, I just want to see something different on Saturday. Yeah, and see him get that physical edge back. I think you're you're totally right, and I really think the run game. And you mentioned you know identifying a running back earlier. I think the run game is really going to be key. Get back to running the football like Utah, you know, like Utah of old, or how Utah's always been. But I I thought that T.J. Pledger brought a big spark against Washington State. He didn't fumble. He was I think the only guy that uh, that afternoon not to fumble. And I thought he played really really well. And uh, I. I think he might be a running back one, but I seem to be the only one saying that. So what what do you think? I don't know. where. Who's the guy right now running L- the football? Listen, I can promise you no one's paying me money to be on the show and no one's paying me for this take, but I completely agree with you. I think Pledger, when I saw those two big runs, I was like, where has this guy been? I know he dropped a pass early against uh, Weber State, and that's kind of why he, he went back in the depth chart, but... I, I, listen, I like I like Mackay Bernard or Micah Bernard or Mackay, however we pronounce it. I want to be I want to be right about that. But Pledger Pledger brings a, a level of power and a little more dynamicness to me of that classic old Utah style. Right? He's I, when I see him run, I see true top talent D one athlete runner. Uh, when I see Mackay Bernard run, I see more of a, a skill position third down out of the backfield type runner right they're just they're different types of runners right and and that's what Utah's always been known for right Darrell Mack was different than Matt Asiata and Eddie Wide was different than those two right so Pledger I I think he's number one um he didn't fumble the ball he's had two big runs but you know Kyle right if you're turning the ball over you're going to go back on the depth chart and um he didn't do that against Washington State and I think on the road uh, I think I think he'll be the guy. I think obviously Mackay Bernard and him will be will kind of be rotating. So um, a good problem to have to have five running backs, but also a, a tough problem to deal with. Like you still need a number one. Like Zach Moss was the clear number one, but why was Zach Moss the clear number one? 
because he was physical. He could catch out of the backfield. He was he was a real uh, rounded back, and we need Pledger to be that type of guy. That's why he came from Oklahoma. How'd you think uh, the defense played against Washington State? I thought they. You know what? The fr- Listen, I, I, my takes are what they are, but they got the raw end of the deal. A couple, they, they've had a horrible offense. Like they, they haven't had a great offense to get them off the field. Right? They've been kind of left out there, abandoned at times. Against BYU, they're left out there because Utah can't convert on third downs. Against San Diego State, they didn't really score the first half. The game got interesting in the fourth quarter, and against Washington State. The defense came up with some massive plays. The, you know, an interception, um, two interceptions. They were were big time. I think they had seven sacks. So you know, Sack Lake City was coming back. So, you know, you have to come up with those types of plays <laughs> to to actually swing momentum. And what was tough for Utah against Washington State was what was it? Two fumbles on the goal line, <laughs> um, a missed field goal on the twenty. And so uh, the defense is stuck on, you know, short fields where the offense is supposed to score. And you know what? Credit to them. They, they just bowed their neck and kept them in the game. Like, they easily could have just given up when their offense wasn't converting on these easy goal line scores. Like, they came up with nothing, not even a field goal. You have three attempts on the 10 and inside. You have it on the actual goal line, and you fumble. <laughs> and... uh so, you know, I think the defense is coming alive. I think Devin Lloyd's the, obviously the heartbeat of it. Um, but you need, you know, you need good edge rushers. And you, you, I thought Mika Tafua would do a little more this year. He hasn't shown up as much as I'd like. Uh, I thought Fillinger, you know, as a freshman, he's starting, to come, he's starting to come around. But that makes sense. It's, what are we on, game five? You have a bye week. Um, it's now like you're in the middle section of the, of, of the actual run here, and um, that's where players are, are starting to develop, especially young guys. There's no more. There's no more of this like, oh, he's a freshman. Like that, that kind of goes away when you're in season form. You've gone through camp, and you're on the other side of a bye week. Like you know who your roster really is, and you know what Utah needs to do. And I think Kyle and, and Morgan and and uh, Andy Ludwig are, are great at this, but you got to just make sure you're you're playing the best players as, as much as you want to rotate. You got to win football games, and um, you got to develop talent. But you just got to play the best players, and uh, if they're getting more reps, who cares? You got to you got to win the games. Okay, so what's the sweet spot this weekend then? If they hold USC under what score, you would feel confident in Utah's ability to win? Well, apparently, like. <laughs> The offense is like struggling to put up 17 points, right? You know, 20 points. I listen. I, I'm not. I, I'm a. I'm an optimist by nature, right? But I'm a realist in my life because of just the harsh reality of life. But I, I really think Utah's going to come out, and if they can play with a little bit more, just chippiness, like Stanford kind of just punched USC in the mouth, like they were on. Un- it was just unexpected. Uh, Oregon State actually threw the ball all over them. They weren't ready for it. I think their QB had four touchdowns. So it, it really is the it's the it's the style that Utah needs to play with. And if Utah can come establish the run, and you know uh, Cam Rising cannot turn the ball over and manage the offense, and the defense can get some turnovers against you know Slovis and get in control of the game. Like if you look at the four games, really the last three. 
when have you really felt like Utah's been in control of the game? Like, this is the first time in a long time, three straight games, that Utah hasn't really been in control of most of them, if not. Like, Washington State was late that they they put the hammer down. So if Utah can go on the road and and really, you know, establish the run and make some good plays with rising and actually, you know, threaten downfield and utilize their tight ends, I think it could be – I think it could be just like Stanford. I think they could run away with it. But if they just come out and play flat and let USC and the crowd get into it, just like they did against BYU, I think it could be a long, long night. And I don't think, I don't think you're going to get the, the, the BYU on the road type Utah team. I think you're going to get a Utah team that is playing with purpose and passion. And if they don't, um, I'll be just like every other Utah fan. I'll be pretty disappointed. I just don't think Kyle Whittingham – uh, Morgan Scally, Sharif Shah, Lewis Powell, uh, Andy Ludwig, um, you know, would let them come out and do that. I just, I just think there's been just too much going on uh, off the field and even at practice to allow them to do that. This is a, this is a big time uh, game, and like you said, if they can come out and get this victory, uh, that's a, that's a monumental Pac-12 South win on the road against SC, which you haven't done in apparently 100 years. So. So I want to ask you an NFL question real quick, and uh, if you didn't have a chance to see the game, uh, just just let me know. But uh, I was curious if you saw Tom's uh, homecoming with the Buccaneers to New England to take on the Patriots, because hey, the Bucks ended up winning, and Tom came out on top, I guess. Except for the <laughs> Patriots were way overmatched, and they made it tough. So I think I I actually think Bill got a little bit of vindication in the game, I guess. For even though they lost, I I. I I thought Tampa was going to blow them away, and they didn't. Yeah, it was. Uh, I watched the game. I watched the whole thing. Uh, yeah, they were running some crazy schemes. Like Bill Belichick got all you know, brought out all the wizardry. His son was calling the defense, but he he was actually calling the defense. Bill's running the whole thing. They made it tough with a lot of different looks, um, but Tom Brady wasn't comfortable. You could tell he was overthrowing guys and got different looks and it was tough weather and it was a 1917 final um it was a pretty boring game overall right the sunday night football games have been pretty awesome this year the green bay san francisco the color uh, the, the cowboys tampa first game um listen a win's a win uh, i wouldn't give bill belichick the the vindication because they were yes they were overmatched but they didn't win, um, but yeah, it was it was not a fun football game to watch, and Tom Brady wasn't comfortable. And uh, credit to listen, if you ever been to New England uh, in the fall, it is it is not the most fun place to play if the weather is bad. Um, so, I'm not giving an excuse because dude played there for 20 years and beat up the Oakland Raiders on the old. I think Lloyd Cole remembers yeah. that play the the old. Uh, Flat fumble or whatever it was, the the, the, the weird the tuck time, rule, you know, yeah, the tuck rule. Um, but listen, it was Bill Belichick. He's a he's a hard nosed grinder, that's for sure. And um, it was interesting to see all of his different schemes he was throwing at him. It was cool to see he would sometimes bring three or four, or five, and then he would drop two, and just lots of different looks made it really complicated. And uh, I was surprised again. Tom Brady didn't have Gronk, but he just he di- he just didn't feel comfortable. It was it was interesting to me. It's the first time I'd seen him that way, and um, 
since he played the Saints last year. So if I'm reading what you're saying is Florida's made Tom Brady soft. <laughs> I didn't say that. But you can <laughs> but read kinda. between the lines. I kind of said that. But. So Christian, I guess my last question for you is, with five kids now under seven, have you gotten a break from diapers in seven years? Uh, no. No. Just part of my part of the daily routine now, Jake, you know? Cause you I know have, that, I have you know a, that's like. yeah, that's I have a like. four year old and now yeah. I have a, a five month old, but I got yeah. like uh, I got like a like year and a half, year. two years of no diapers there. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had, I haven't had that. And I obviously I'll, I'll change a diaper any day. I don't care. Oh, I was um, talking to somebody about that the other day on the, the challenges of parenting. Uh, I put changing diapers like, one thousandth on the list. I'll change diapers all day long compared to yeah, the other stuff. There's way worse things. Like my wife was in the hospital last night. She stayed overnight, and I was, I had the four kids, and I was putting the bed. And I'm like, because I got home and I was taking care of everybody. I'm like, I would, Camille, your job is way harder than mine. I wouldn't want to do this full time. Like this is, I'm ex- by like nine thirty. I was like so exhausted. I'm like, all right, let's call it a night, everybody. Go to uh, bed. Oh, dude, I go to bed so early when I can. Yeah, and, and I have two. You have five. I I admire you, my friend. Uh, honestly, you you are a you are a great dad, and I, I admire your family greatly. And congratulations on the new arrival and getting under center yesterday. That's that. Honestly, that's got to be a really cool moment. Well, thanks, Jake. Um, excited for you though as well. Uh, no better radio person to be ha- handling his own show. So. Well, I appreciate Anytime it, you guys want me on, I'll be on here. Oh, man, we'll take advantage of it. Enjoy enjoy the game on Saturday, Christian. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Jake. Thanks, Amen. buddy. Christian Cox, of course, uh, former Ute, former Patriot, one of the best guys out there. Had a baby yesterday and uh, was still willing to jump on the show today. What a, what a good dude. And really, uh, just a wonderful family and uh, awesome. Could not be more excited. Uh, for Christian and, and his crew. Yeah, seven seven kids under five. I, I I don't know why that hit me. Like, wow, Christian has not had a break from diapers since what, what year would... Five kids under seven. You said seven kids under five. Five kids under seven. Sorry, yeah. sorry. So that means Christian uh, would not have had a diaper break since what year is that, Hatch? Hell, don't do math on the air. 2014. 2014. Christian's been changing diapers. Like I said, I got a little bit of a break in there. Your kids have a, the time just, in between. I got I got out of I'm out of it right now. You're out now? Yes. Nice. We're nice. dealing with pull-ups for one kid. That's really the only thing we okay. have overnight, and that's it. That's all right. So, yeah. But like I said, changing diapers isn't that bad compared to the other People stuff. People were like, you're going to hit my... As you said, compared to other things, no problem. Uh, my my five month old had the sniffles, you know, had some stuffiness all last week, and gratefully she's just getting over it. But I mean, compared to how difficult that was, I'll change fifty diapers a day. Bring it out. All right. Thanks to Christian for jumping on with us. We appreciate it. Hans Olsen is going to be on with us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, so stay tuned for that. It is the big show on a Thursday, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone.